Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, we've been trucking through Acts, the book of Acts, and things have been happening. We know from the very first chapter that the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples came. The Holy Spirit did come as they gathered in obedience and in prayer, and they waited on the Lord, and so the Spirit came. And he poured out gifts, but he didn't stop there. He kept changing lives, right? And he started with the disciples, changing their lives, giving them new insight, giving them power to be witnesses. And Peter was one, and he preached a message, and 3,000 people accepted Christ and were baptized. And they be, the church was built, and it began to move, and they began to gather. But things begin to change, and we know that Luke wrote the book of Acts, and Dr. Luke wants to give us an account, a chronological account of what happened. But he's not going to use everything that happened. He's going to give us little snapshots so that we can get a feel for what happened. There is so much more that happened. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 5, which we're not there yet, we're starting chapter 3, but it says there, many wonders and signs were done through the apostles and among the people, yet there's no record of it. There's no signs of it. Some people's names didn't get in the Bible. Some people's accounts didn't get them, but they were wonderful, and they were marvelous, and they were great, because too many of them. But Luke's going to give us a snapshot, and so today, we're going to take a look at a snapshot. A number of miracles occurred, but there's one very important miracle that he wants to point out, and it's going to teach us some things, and it's going to help move along the story of the church, the narrative of the church for us. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn it to chapter 3, and we're, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Let's read God's word together, amen? It says, one day, after this church begins, right, many different things are happening, but here's just one account. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. The church still met at the temple. There was going to come a time when the church would no longer meet at the temple. It would get too big. They would grow beyond the temple, their, their whole experience of God would too, and they would realize the temple was now within them. They were the temple. This place is not the temple. <laughs> Do you know that? This is not. This is the temple. This is where God dwells. This is where the holy place and the holy of holies is. It's in my heart as the Holy Spirit relates and comes upon all of us. That's why he came. So, they were going to soon come to get that before the book of Acts is done. They're moving that direction. But right now, they're meeting in the temple. And they're meeting there and gathering in their groups for prayer. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple, temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he's, now, you see those people in our own town, right? They get at strategic spots. They own those spots, and if you don't believe that, you know, you don't know how it works, really. <laughs> but they have those spots, and they beg because they're worth it to them, and they're lucrative for them. And so this man, he was the first entrepreneur there, but he had other people behind him because they would take him to this place. And he sat there begging alms from people going into the temple courts, people going into church. When he saw Peter and John about to enter... It says that he asked them for money. But Peter looked straight at him, as did John. 
Okay, Peter and John. Now you know these two, right? And it says, then Peter said, look at us! Exclamation point. Notice that. You don't get a bunch of those in the Scripture, but it was emphatic. Look at us! So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking the man by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk around. And then he went, remember, he was lame from birth. Wow, the very first time ever. And he was a a mature man. He walks. And then he went with them, it says, into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man they had seen over and over again, sitting, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Wonder and amazement at what had happened. I'm here to tell you that that little episode is really kind of an introduction and a preparation point for a message that Peter's going to give again. And we're going to see there's going to be some more things that happen because of that message that he gives again. But today, we want to take a look at it and consider something. We want to consider how we, as followers of Jesus, how we, his body, the church, how are we to, do, to engage in and effectively take forward the ministry of Jesus? Because he did it through Peter and John. How are we to do that? How are we to engage as believers and receive blessing and, and cause unbelievers to wonder and be amazed at what they see and what they experience? Well, let's take a look at the first thing. And here's the first one. Prayer played a major role in the life and ministry of Jesus. Would you believe that? You, you would say yes said many times he got away on his own and prayed, and many times he prayed and then miracles happened. But so did prayer play a central role for the disciples' ministry and for Jesus' ministry going forward through them. Right off the bat, our passage tells us that Peter and John were faithful and had a habit of regular and deliberate times of prayer. Both they had that in their personal lives and they had it in a corporate sense in gathering with the assembled believers to pray. It was important. They went up. In fact, the temple was the center of their society, and they went up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. There was more than one time for prayer. And in their culture and in their experience, they would gather, and they stayed faithful with that. And it meant something new to them once the Spirit came. F.B. Meyer writes this, In prayer there must be deliberateness. The secret place the inner chamber, the fixed time, the shut door against distraction and intruders. In the secret place, the Father is waiting for us. He is certainly there as he is in heaven. He is there. There through his spirit. Are you and I aware of that? Are we considerate of the fact that where we are when we pray, God is there? God is there. And that place becomes a holy place. And whenever we're deliberate, and we have a place where we deliberately meet, 
We meet every Sunday here for prayer. God chose. And he's here before us. We meet maybe somewhere in our house. That's a particular place that we like to meet for prayer. Or maybe we take walks in prayer. I'm here to tell you, God is there. Are we aware of that? I think many of us are aware of that. But if we aren't aware of that, we need to be aware of that. God is certainly there as he is in heaven. Andrew Murray said this, We must not only think of our waiting upon God, but also of what is more wonderful still, of God waiting upon us. If he waits for us, then we are more than welcomed in his presence. We're welcome. Remember in Genesis? It said that the Lord went after the man and went and, and called for him because he was used to being with them in the afternoon, in the cool of the afternoon. God loves fellowship, and God is there, and he welcomes us. Talking to Jesus in prayer and becoming aware of his presence was really something that I practiced from the very beginning since the first time I came to know the Lord. The Lord was speaking to me, and I was answering back as I was deciding whether I was going to give my life to him or not. Because I, I wasn't certain, but I knew that when I said to him, you make me brand new or I don't come at all because my life stinks, and the Lord said, I will, I heard that. I didn't hear that by my audible ears, I heard that in my mind's ear, right? And when I heard that, I said, okay, here I come, here I come. So I knew that there had to be this interchange. So after I gave my life to him, I just began to have daily times of pouring my heart out to him trying to discern and listen then for his response. You've heard me talk a lot about this before. I talked to him about everything. And I would walk and have talks. And I would, I would just sit in my room and have talks. And as I tried to make major decisions in my life, all of them centered around asking him about it because I'd lived my life without him. And, and so I was trying to determine, man, should I date that girl or not? God would say, no, I'd go, well, but I really want to, so I'm going to anyhow, right? You know, you learn the hard way sometimes, right? And, and it goes on. Well, what I discovered as I went on and I learned that many times I would have a sense of peace and assurance. That's what happens so many times, and I'd give God all sorts of you-know-what about that. All right, this is great. I love you, Jesus. You're wonderful. You gave me assurance and peace, but I want specifics. I want specifics. And the Lord said, well, I know you do, but you're not going to get them, right? You're not, at least at this situation, you're just going to trust me. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take you through. I'm going to bless you through. I'm going to keep guiding you through. It's going to be okay. But that's what you get, assurance and peace. And so I could trust him and I could follow, but occasionally. And this would happen occasionally. And I would say, some, I would say more than just occasionally it would happen, but not as often, definitely, than I, as I wanted it to be. God would answer in more direct ways, and it would be clear and direct. And I would get thoughts, or I would get feelings, or I'd see pictures in my mind that would communicate, and it would say things like this, you must build this. Huh. What? Yeah, you must build this. God said to me in Mexico. It's what God said to me about this church. It's what God said to me about a number of different things. Just simply that statement. You must build this. There was no money. There was no this. Okay, here I go. Because you said 
I go, and guess what? God did it. There were other things like, take this job and quit running from it. (laughs) I was good at doing running from things I didn't want to do. Or take this ministry. Oh, dude, no, right? But God said, or give to this person or this need. Or don't pick this person up. I was a big hitchhike picker-upper, and I was a big hitchhiker back in the day. And I can still remember when God said, no, do not pick them up. I didn't hear that real often. I mostly heard, give them a ride or do that, but this time, no. Or, don't climb that. I heard that three times. (laughs) I listened. (laughs) Okay. And then what about, my grace is sufficient for you, I'm not going to miraculously heal you, or I'm not going to miraculously remove your financial need, but it will be okay, because my grace is sufficient. I didn't particularly like that, right? I had to be patient, had to, to endure, but God did it, and he was good, because he knew better than I knew. And then finally, a few times, and this is where it, it was, you know, because he's got to whether I'd be successful or not, right? If you speak, I'll use your words. If you teach, if you speak, I'll use them. If you'll witness, I will accompany your witness. But here's the big one, and I had to learn to embrace this. If you'll go and pray for them, I will heal them. But you have to go and pray. God, they don't have any faith. They're not going to believe you're going to heal them. And God said, doesn't matter. Do you trust me? I'll do what I said to you. It doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. And then he does. Even though I'm acting like kind of a bit of a jerk and the other person doesn't believe, God still is faithful. Or, if you pray, I'll heal them. And they have every tube and every wire on them imaginable, and, got, and the doctor just told their wife, prepare to give your husband to God because nothing else we could do. And now I'm supposed to go in in the name of Jesus and, and pray for their healing? Oh, great, God. You know, kind of like, well, okay. Felt nothing. Laid my hand. Come back the next morning. The dude's sitting in a chair. And God said, and, and the doctor, I said, wow, what happened? And the wife said, God gave, God, the, the doctor told me, God gave you back your husband because there's no way he should be sitting in this chair. You see, it's like, and I was so afraid at times to walk in faith because of my own, my eyes were too much on me. See, I've, I've talked to him about everything and I learned I've had to. And when I heard these direct responses from the Lord, I always had a choice, which you have too, because you're hearing him. You're hearing him speak to you. I know, because he's there. You want to reject it. You want to avoid it. You want to to discount it. Or you don't want to spend any time trying to develop, listening, and really hearing him, because you just don't feel it's worth it. But he's speaking to you. And you have a choice at that point. Will you listen? And will you obey in faith, or will you not? And it's nobody else's situation or choice but yours. Will you listen, 
And will you obey him in, in faith and trust or not? And, and there's going to be a bit of a struggle in all that. And you're going to have to grow. But you can. You can. But you and I must both have to learn to, to be deliberate in building our life on prayer. And that really is our first point. We've got to be deliberate in prayer. And we have to build our life on prayer. And there's nothing too small to pray over, and there's nothing too big to pray over. Because the Lord is the master of the universe, and he's out ahead of us in everything. And we're to do life with him. But what I also learned in being deliberate, I also had to be honest with myself. And we sometimes fear that. You don't have to fear honesty and the light if you're in the truth. I had to be honest with myself, and I have, had to be trusting him and trust that he was directing me. And I had to grow in those things. So do you. And when I chose to do that, when I chose to grow in faith and to pray in faith and to trust him and not myself, guess what? Then I could pray the prayer of faith. And I could see these blessings God wanted to bring. And God would always come through. And he would do what he said. Now, did I always, like I said, did I get direction like that, clarity all the time? No. Sometimes it was just come and pray for this, and I have to pray for him because I have no direction. Right? And, I, and I'm praying still seeking for direction. I don't know why God does that sometimes and why he doesn't. I don't know why he heals. Sometimes he heals when he says he's going to heal, but why doesn't he say he's going to heal all the time? I don't know. But I'm, I know he's got a plan. And I know we have to learn to trust him and be honest with ourselves and be deliberate. In Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Jesus said this, Ask, and I love how he says this, that word is ask and keep asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. I've always wondered, why do I got to ask more than once? Why do I got to stay in asking? Why do I have to wait in asking? See, that's just my own impatience. Or why do I have to keep, not, you know, seeking? Because I want to find everything now. Well, that's my own impatience. Why do I have to keep knocking? That seems a little rude. No, because certain doors aren't ready to be open. People knock at my door. It takes me a while to get up. Come on, right? My wife will be at the door. I'll have it locked because that's the thing I love to do. I keep doors locked. And she'll get there, and she has all these things she's carrying, trying to get in, and she's ringing a doorbell. And she's like, dude, it, of, of course it can't take him that long to get off the chair, but it does. And I finally get to the door <laughs> and open it, and she goes, walk me out. I go, yeah, I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. Yeah, it's, it's that sweet. It really is. <laughs> but, see, it takes some time. So we're to be deliberate in asking and keep asking. We're to be deliberate in seeking and keep seeking and knocking and keep knocking in prayer. We've got to be deliberate and we've got to stay with this. And we can be assured that Jesus will give us direction. The thing is, it may not always be what you want. You have to be trusting and be willing. It's, sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not now. Sometimes it's keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep standing. Keep wrestling. There are things going on that you don't know what of. Keep wrestling. Keep understanding. Keep growing. Keep waiting for further instructions. Because I'm in this. But it's not going to be like 
mechanistic. You're not going to be able to go say your spell, do your chant, and then you get your, what you want. It's not going to work like that because it's a relationship. And God is working at so many different levels at once. Praise the Lord. Are you deliberate? Are you honest? Are you trusting in prayer? That's what we have to ask ourselves. I want to keep growing in that. I want that to be said of me. Peter and James, Peter and John were. And you know what Peter and John, they probably passed that beggar going to the temple more than once. Do you know that? Because they just said one day. They went to prayer every day. How many times do you think Jesus passed that beggar? Lacey, how many times do you think Jesus passed that beggar? Six years? Well, no, it was only his ministry, it was only three. I had to check your theology. Okay. But he kept passing that beggar, and he knew <laughs> Peter and John, I'm going to use them to heal, heal that beggar. I'm going to work through them, they'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> It'll be great. Just because it'll be best, because I'm still doing something in that man's heart. I'm still working on his heart, trying to convince him he doesn't have to be a beggar for the rest of his life. And he doesn't have to be lame, even though he was born that way. He doesn't have to be that. Wow, I get a kick out of that myself. But on this occasion, these boys prayed, and Jesus gave clear direction. Clear direction. Because they stayed in deliberate prayer. They were honest. They were trusting in prayer. And they were doing it daily. And every encounter of their life, they were praying over, and God met them that day. And that's what we need to do if we want our ministry to go forward to be like Jesus. But there's more, isn't there? As we moved on, there was something else in this story that is really important to effectiveness. It's huge for both us as ministers, but also those receiving from us. Peter and John, this beggar's thinking, is going to give them money. But Peter looked straight at this man, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. And then he gave, this man gave his attention, his expectation to get something from them. That's so, so very, very important. Whenever Jesus was going to heal somebody, he didn't just run around and lay hands on people without them knowing what he was doing. What he many times said is, look at me, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Whenever he was going to heal them, that's what he would do. He would require their full attention to him. He'd captivate their attention. He captivated always the attention of the person he wanted to heal, unless they were dead or, or, or just out of it. And he directed them to focus their gaze on him. And that reason is, is that pulling somebody's attention, telling them to listen to you, creates expectation doesn't it? It stimulates faith. You know something's going to come next, and it's important. Right? And so you pay attention. And that's what happened. The man expected to receive something from Peter and John. Probably thought he was going to get some money. This is going to be great, because that's what he wanted. But it quickened his faith to Peter's words, which is the necessary requirement for getting anything from God. You've got to expect. You've got to expect he's going to speak back to you. you. You have to also expect to receive something from him. Hebrews 11.6, which is an important verse for many of us, says this, and it might be on the board in the back, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists 
and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly, diligently, wholeheartedly seek him. Honestly seek him. You don't have to be some superwoman or man. You just have to be real in your seeking of him and expect him to reward you because he wants to. Throughout my growing up years, as I walked with the Lord, guess what? I, I ended up going, before I walked with the Lord, and I came to the Lord in high school, I would go with different friends to different churches. So, I actually attended a Nazarene church more than once. Ah, check me out. I won't tell you what else I used to do in that parking lot before I came to Jesus, but that aside, with friends, that aside, I attended a Nazarene church. I also attended a Catholic church. See, I was ecumenical. I had friends, most of my good friends that I ran and got in trouble with were Catholics. And so, I attended their church. Hey, I even attended a Southern Baptist church. I'm sorry, and that's how you talk. And you need to come to Jesus. And I thought, oh my gosh, at least this guy moves and he jumps and he keeps moving his voice like that. I loved it. I felt convicted. I, I told my friend, I had that feeling he's talking about. Maybe I should accept Jesus. You know what my friend said to me? I'll just put it off and wait. It'll go away. You'll be okay. It'll go away. And so I did because we were more excited about fishing than we were about being at church. And so I put it off and it took me another number of years before I ever came back around. But what I noticed in each of these churches, and I'm here to say, as an unbeliever, now don't take this too bad because you understand it. If you don't have any expectations, then what do you do? They were all whispering to each other during prayer time. They were all passing notes to each other during the singing. Nobody sang. Nobody listened to the word being preached. No, they just they used to grab you-know-what. They were just playing that in the back rows or whatever, or even in the front rows. And I used to remember, even as a, because I didn't go to church, I thought, oh, why do you go to church? You're a worshiper who don't worship? You, you, you don't, why don't you participate? Why don't you do this or that? Well, and I learned because they had no expectation at all. They, it mattered what they were doing after church more than what they were doing in church. They didn't give their attention to God. They had no expectations. They didn't think they were going to receive anything from him, and they didn't expect to in worship. So the result was this. And this was the result, and it came clear to me when I came to Christ, is you miss God's word when you have no expectation or no openness to receive. You miss the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit. It passes you by. And they missed it. And for all their coming, they never changed. They never, they never were healed. They were never loved. They never grew. And that was the reality because they had no expectation. They never heard the words, look at me. Pay attention. This is why Jesus has come and, and always comes to the crowd with this, with this exhortation. Before he preached, he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. She who has ears to hear, let her hear. But if you don't have it, then that's the way it is. You're not going to be touched. You're not going to be changed. You're not going to be healed. You're not going to be loved. You're not going to pay attention. If you're not going to listen or pay attention, boom. Forget it. 
it's always an, a necessary component of the working of faith. You have to expect something if you want faith to work. Praise the Lord. Many in our congregation, they've looked at Jesus and they've paid attention to him. They've looked at his servants and they've listened and they've received his word. And, and because of it, they've been changed, been healed, been loved. Don't be that person who hasn't. Because you won't pay attention. Or you won't expect anything from God. Jesus has come. The kingdom is here. Expect great things from him. And God can speak to you even through a poor preacher like me. It doesn't have to be some superstar speaker or some superstar worship leader, even though Jason and the rest of them are superstars, right? You know, it doesn't have to be. God can move and still does move. Let that be you because you pay attention and you're open to expect to receiving something from him. Well, the beggar was. And look what happened next. You saw what happened in our passage, right? Here's the deal. I want you to notice a few facts about our beggar. You ready? Because when Jesus heals, Jesus does something else. Here's the, the fact about this beggar. His condition is hopeless. And isn't that the way it normally is in narratives when you look at people being healed in the Bible? Their situation just looks like, man, this is just all but, you know, this is difficult. This is really difficult. And this man's condition was hopeless. He was lame or a cripple. That means his legs were useless from birth. This is not just a guy you're praying for who has a cold or has the flu or even has COVID. This is a person who has a real disability. It makes it, you feel like his healing is difficult. It's all but impossible. The natural man would say, well, that's just going to be the way you're going to be, and that's the way God created you to be. Well, his condition is hopeless. The second thing I want you to notice is he was dependent on others carrying him to this place to beg and, and dependent on them carrying him home each night. These other people probably made income off his disability, which adds to the layer of stickiness in getting involved with healing him. And these guys knew it. It was just kind of like when Paul healed that woman who was demon-possessed, but she could read fortunes and tell the future. And she had a bunch of people making money off of her. And when he healed her, they all got hacked at him because Paul took their money ticket away. Uh, there are people like that now. And, and so their little sticky situations, boy, if I get involved in this, it's more than just this man. Number three, this lame beggar's location for begging was at the gate called Beautiful, where he begged from worshipers entering the temple. That's his location. He was not inside the temple. He was not a worshiper. He was not a child of God. He was a beggar, and he was outside. And when Peter and John captured his attention, and they declared in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for him to walk, what? did he do when they expected something and they declared in faith what God was telling them in prayer what did this man do he walked he walked what else did he do he changed his location he moved and he went with them into the temple what else did he do he worshiped he never worshiped before had no reason to worship before but he worshiped what else changed for him? He went from being a beggar to being a brother in Christ. 
His identity changed. How he saw himself changed. It changed. Because the declaration of faith, heard in prayer, and him expecting something, and receiving it. Wow! What else did he do? What else happened? His healing and his worship were a witness to others. They got other people's attention. They opened up their heart to the reality of change for them too. He became a witness and it all happened rather naturally. And then Peter steps up after all this and gives us another message that we'll look at next week to explain to them what's going on and to give them an opportunity to repent and receive Christ. Wow. A lot happened. A lot changed for this man. When Jesus heals, he seeks to heal and to witness and disciple at all levels. There's your last point. In the lives of many others, in addition to the original person he healed, that's what he's trying to do. That's what he wants to do. You've not just been saved to be saved and go to heaven. You've been saved to be a witness of his. To be a person who can be the Bible incarnate. To be a person who can share the good news with others and tell them what he's done in you. And if he can do it in you and change you and transform your life through all your ups and downs, if you can communicate that to others, then he can do it for them too. Because there are some other people watching. They're seeking. They're searching for the grand plan and meeting in life. And they're going to look to you. So when Jesus heals, that's what he does. This beggar, he begged outside the temple from those going inside the temple. But now he's not doing that anymore. He's part of the worship community that he wasn't a part of before. He's part of it now that he's healed. So his, not just his ability changed, but his location changed. And that's what God wants to do, and he wants to use us to be a part of that plan for other people as well. He's now in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. That healing moved that man from the outside of the temple to the inside. From someone who wasn't able to participate in worship to a person who's able now to participate in worship. It's wonderful. That same thing happened to me. That same thing happened for many of you. Because the church was there. So this morning... As we begin to kind of wrap up a bit, there's a lot here to think about. But the first thing I want to ask you to think about is who sits at our gates? Who sits at our gates? Who's, who comes to church, and, but they're still on the outside? Who's, who's around us? Who's around you in your home, your neighborhood, your family, your friendships? And they're just out there. And their condition seems bad. It seems like there's no way in earth they're ever going to come to Christ or would. No way God would ever reach them or teach them or transform or heal them. Who are those people with a hopeless condition? Who, who has a physical, spiritual, or social condition that just seems to be beyond your ability to touch? What might Jesus do in you and through you in the lives of others if you actually gave him your attention, and you really expected something from him. You expected him to give you guidance and teach you. What might he do? I'm here to tell you he'd do just what he did on earth. 
And he'd do what he was doing with Peter and John. He wants his ministry to continue. The awesome power of Jesus Christ heals broken people in wondrous ways today. Somebody say amen to that? Amen. The wondrous, awesome power of Jesus Christ heals broken people in wondrous ways still today. And he wants to do it through you. Simple you. And you have a game plan now to walk in that and join it. Be a part of that ministry. Be a part of it. Will you look to him this morning? Will you expect things from him? And when he speaks and gives you a direction and a promise, will you act in faith upon that direction and that promise so that his love, his miracles, his work can continue through the world because he wants to work through you. I want you to stand with me as we close in prayer. Will you do that? This is just some of what Dr. Luke was trying to get across to us when he wrote this story and included it in his book of Acts of the church. These things have continued because of the power of the Holy Spirit who's with us. How does God want to use you? Amen. Let's pray.